All right. Well, hey, uh, my name is Matthew, and I'm one of the pastors here, and I am so grateful to be with all of you as today we worship Jesus. I don't know about you, but as I was singing just now and listening to even the words that Pastor Harry was sharing about uh, how many of us need to just call out to the Lord, boy, did that resonate with some of you, right? Oh my goodness, it resonated with me, and I'm so thankful. I was standing up there thinking, my word, that whole song, this whole moment is just from my heart right now. And uh, I don't think I'm the only one, uh, right? I don't think I'm the only one. Hey, if you're a guest here with us, we're just delighted you're with us. We're so glad you're here. Welcome to New Hope Church. And uh, let me tell you, if you are a guest right outside, uh, just after our worship gathering, we've got some uh, friends out there that would love to connect with you. So I want to invite you to uh, step out there afterward, and uh, they, they can answer any questions you have. Uh, they want to encourage you. They want to serve you. So give them that opportunity uh, if you would do so. All right, so uh, I also want to just say to those of you online, it's good to be here with you. How many of you guys like the weather right now here in, uh, in Minneapolis, Minnesota, right? What do you think of this? Yeah? No snow, no ice, uh, no jackets hardly. I, wore a, I, I went for a walk yesterday for quite a while. Yesterday morning had just a, a light vest on. I'm thinking, this is crazy. Is this really Minnesota? But we'll take it, right? Happily take it. All right, so a man named Henry Varley, he put forward this comment. You'll, you'll see it right here on the screen. The world has yet to see what God can do through a person totally yielded to him. The world is yet to see what God can do through a person totally yielded to him. This quote makes me stop in my tracks. I think to myself, what might it look like for people to live a life totally yielded unto the Most High God. And then I ask myself, what would be the reaction from our world? What would our world experience when we, who claim to follow Christ, are totally yielded unto Christ day in and day out? What would the world around us experience if they experienced us that way. And then I ask, will I be one of those totally yielded unto God? And then I ask you, will you be one of those? Will you be one of those? Now friends, hear me. It is time to move. It is time to go. It is time for us to be a people on the go for the glory of God, yielded unto him in faith, even if not by sight. Our world is hungry, ready. The time is short. The needs are great. Our world is spiritually hungry, eager, longing, for meaning, longing for purpose, longing for transformation, longing for something good. You and I sang 
here just a little bit ago. Christ is our foundation. And upon that rock, we stand. Amen? That's what we sang. And oh, the death of our Jesus on that cross where his blood was shed. His resurrection three days later. His ascension into the heavenly realms. His current session with his Father where he advocates for those who are in Christ. And all the anticipation of his glorious return. I cannot wait. How about you? But these things, what do they do? They make it so that sin and death and the devil, fear and shame and filth, condemnation, none of that has the final word. None of that has the final word. And our world is starving for witnesses to this great story. Our world is hungry. And the question remains, are we among those willingly all in on being those witnesses? Are we among those willingly, all in, willing to step forward? Now, tensions abound. We've spoken about this in recent weeks. Tensions abound. And these tensions require being navigated with courage and wisdom and care. Old models need to fall to the wayside. Old ways of thinking, old ways of doing church, old ways of doing religion, old ways of trying to engage our culture, they need to fall to the wayside. The day of elephants, those are exciting, for sure. There's no question. Captivating, no doubt. Now is the time for rabbits to replicate and multiply rapidly. The day of great oaks, those are important. They matter. Now is the time, though, for dandelions to spread, to spread so quickly around the globe. We need to have an imagination to be those kind of witnesses, on the move, on the go, witnesses that understand that the time is short and the needs are great and the gospel matters so very much, witnesses that are ready and available, witnesses who will not stop, witnesses who follow Christ. And that really is, that really is the great call, to follow him. I was in a conversation just the other day, an acquaintance here in town that I've gotten to know. She and I have spoken about Jesus. She doesn't have a personal connection with Jesus. She's not there yet. She's intrigued by him. Every time I see her, she bombards me with questions about him. She wants to know what it is I think about him. But she herself is not quite there. She's guarded. She's been hurt. She's holding back. But in the conversation just last week, I said to her, I said, and I said her name. Let's just call her Gina for right now. I said, Gina, Jesus wants you to follow him. He calls you to follow him. And you know, Gina, he's called me to follow him. He wants you and he wants me to follow him. And the reason is because he loves you so very much. He loves me. He loves us. And he has meaning and he has purpose and he has redemption. He makes us clean. He makes us whole. He gives us hope. He gives us life. He gives us everything. He wants you to follow him. 
And that is our cause, to follow him. He says to all of us, he says to you, come, follow me. Come, follow me. But understand with me, dear ones, understand with me, to follow Jesus ultimately means, now listen to me, to follow Jesus ultimately means to give him our all, to give all, to give everything, everything. And the Apostle Paul understood this, and so it is. He penned a certain statement. We find it at a pivotal moment in the book of Romans in the New Testament. Romans chapter 12, verse 1. You'll see it right here. Look with me, if you will. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, would you allow me actually to invite you to read this with me? Can we do that? And let's, let's kind of use our, gee, it's January and we're outside because it's warm outdoor voice. All right, ready? Here we go. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Now, many of us know this verse really well. We have spent years meditating on the words found in this one verse. For others of us, it may be the very first time we have ever really considered this verse, ever heard it. Well, either way, allow me to share just a few moments with you some reflections. And right away, I'm inclined to highlight the word therefore that you see, that you just said. Because when Paul uses that word therefore, what he is doing is telling us that a whole lot of important things have come before that verse. Indeed, in the book of Romans, 11 whole chapters precede that verse. The Apostle Paul in chapters 1 and 2 speaks of the respective brokenness of the Gentiles and the Jews. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 3 tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Apostle Paul in Romans chapters 4 through 8 tells us that the remedy to this sin is found only in Jesus Christ, that he alone is our deliverer and that through him there is no more any condemnation. In Romans chapter 9 and 10, we are confronted with the sovereignty of God and a direct call to call on him for salvation because with him we are not ashamed but are saved. In Romans chapter 11, we are greeted with the reality that the blood of Jesus Christ unites all peoples who are washed in that blood, Gentile and Jew. We are all one new humanity that he treasures deeply. And then we come to Romans chapter 12. And in Romans chapter 12, from that point on through the rest of the book, well, the tone changes. If the previous 11 chapters are about our deliverance and our dependency, from chapter 12 on, we are called to action. It's about what we do, how we live. We're called to action. This is the let's move part of the book of Romans. Romans. 
And the key to it all is found in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, which we just read moments ago. To summarize Paul's thoughts there, consider this. According to what we read, Paul says that what God has done in Christ, as explained in the first 11 chapters, in light of what he's done, here is what you do. Here is what I do. In light of all that God has done, we are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. You and I are to offer our lives as a living sacrifice. You give all. In light of what Jesus has done to us, for us, we give him all that we are. That is, that is in a nutshell, the theme of the book of Romans. God has done a glorious work in Christ, and here we respond by offering ourselves as living sacrifices unto him. That is the story of the book of Romans, and in so many ways it is the story of God's redemptive plan for the ages. We're called to give all. We're called to give all. I want you to notice the appeal that we see here in verse 1. I want you to notice with me the appeal. Now, what I mean by this is, Paul doesn't give a command. Friends, this is so important. Please hear me here. Paul isn't giving a command, nor is he giving an exhortation. What he is doing here is something far more tender. Think of it as a gentle invitation. I really appreciate the way an acquaintance of mine, Tom Constable, wonderful Bible scholar, I like how he puts this. Look here with me. He says, Paul did not want his readers to comply because he commanded them to do so, but because they wanted to in response to what God had done for them. Friends, the appeal to offer our lives of living sacrifices it's not a command, it's not some big exhortation, it's a gentle invitation for us to respond to the mercies of God. It's a response of love. Hear me now, to give our whole selves to God ought not be something coerced, right? Right? It ought not be something that, that we're manipulated into, right? To give our whole selves to God is a response of love. It's a response of love to the mercies of our King. Now, I want you to notice with me something about the sacrifice that is mentioned. What is the appeal that Paul is making? It is that we give our lives as living sacrifices. We have to remember something, dear ones. In the ancient days, the Gentiles and the Jews lived this pattern of offering sacrifices to their respective deities. Many of them every single day, day in and day out, typically on an altar of fire. Now, whether, whether that offering 
was an animal that was offered while it was alive, like a, a, you know, placed alive on the fire. Or maybe it was slain before it arrived on the altar. In either case, what had been a living creature ultimately dies. That creature gives its life at that moment for that cause. Now, please hear me, because this is so foreign to how we experience life in the modern era. So please, please hear me. Go there with me for a moment. The animal offered, whether by a Gentile or a Jew, on an altar of fire, it gives its life. And in this verse, Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul is saying, if we follow Christ, we do likewise with ourselves. Did you hear that? We give our lives as a sacrifice. But instead of to some random deity, as was common with the Gentiles, or to the Yahweh of the universe, understood in some narrow and limited ways by the people of Israel. It is to Yahweh in the flesh, the God-man, Jesus Christ. We give our lives to him. And Paul, in effect, is saying, but you're not one of those who are dead. Oh, we may be dead to sin. We may be dead to the world. We may be dead to the flesh. But Paul is saying, unlike the animals of old, the sacrifice you bring is what? A living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Moment by moment, day in and day out. Friends, notice this here with me. It's a living sacrifice. We offer our whole selves holding nothing back, every breath taken for Jesus. Now, pause there. If you gentlemen, if you guys will keep that up for just a minute. Drew, thank you. Keep that up there. Look at that phrase, every breath taken for Jesus. Think about that. What does that mean for your existence, your life, your moments? Every breath taken for Jesus for Jesus' glory, for Jesus' purposes. We are living sacrifices. Every breath that we take is for Him. It's all for His glory. It's all that His purposes might unfold in the world around us and through us. Thank you, Drew. This is our call. Now, something else about Romans chapter 12, verse 1. Uh, the verbal construct matters, and, and we could geek out on this for quite a while, but let me simply say this. The way it is structured, it invites, please hear me, constant vigilance, constant decision or decisiveness. In other words, it's not, oh, you need to live your life as, as 
a living offering unto God. This is your spiritual worship. It's not a one and done. Oh, I will do that. And then you just meander on and do your own thing, having made that commitment. No. The assumption here is this is how you and I will live every moment of our existence. We will make a determination moment by moment that I will be a living sacrifice to my King and Savior. Every moment is for Him. Everything I have is for Him. Every relationship, every trinket, every interest, every gift, all of it is for Him. All of it. And so the invitation is for us to have that posture, and with that, a posture of holiness. Holiness, the text tells us. And the idea here is that we are set apart from the world unto God. We're for Him, not for the world. We're for Him, not for the flesh. We're for Him, not for the devil. We're for Him. Set apart unto God. That's what the word holy means. And the people of old, the ancient Jews, they were required by the law, the Torah, when they made a sacrifice on an altar, that the animal thus chosen for that moment had to be spotless and without defect. There is an expectation from God that we live lives that are spotless and without defect. Here's the rub. I can't. And you know what? Here, guess what else? Neither can you. Remember? Remember what, what Ryan said last week so powerfully? We're all naughty kids, right? We're all naughty kids. He's absolutely spot on. But notice this. Look here with me. Sincere repentance and a humble striving to conform to the life of Jesus is a game changer. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we humble ourselves before God, and we cry out and we say, Lord God, I'm a sinner. Lord God, today I have fallen short of your glory. Would you remind me of that blood that was shed for me, that I would remember that in Christ I'm clean, I'm free, I'm forgiven. And with that in mind, we need to live as those not trying, but training to be about God's best. And that right there is one of the great phrases you need to grab hold of in this message. Too many of us are just trying to be righteous because we care. What we need to have is an imagination to see all of our rhythms as training to be conformed to the image of Jesus. And sometimes we fail. Oh, but thank God for that promise. Though you stumble, you will not fall. I've got you. And it is because of his power manifested through the Holy Spirit, sealed by the work of Jesus on Calvary's tree, that though we might have defects before the God of heaven and earth, we are pure as the driven snow that no longer shows up in Minnesota. And because this is true, because this is true, friends, then we offer ourselves as living 
sacrifices. And for us, this is our, literally, from the text, our reasonable action of worship. The word spiritual worship literally means our reasonable action of worship. The the word has the idea that it comes from from the word logos, the word word. So there there is maybe a slight hint that this is a Bible-shaped, truth-formed reasonableness that we take on, shaped by God's word, not by man's desires, shaped by God's promises, not by the, the, the devil's lies, shaped by God's design, not by our own effort, We then come before God as people rooted in God and his word, and we offer him everything. And that is our worship, which, by the way, is the worth, recognizing the worthiness or the worthship of Jesus. And this is giving all. Now, my therapist reminds me, he did so just last Thursday at 3 o'clock in my meeting with him. Matthew, you have a hyper sense of over-responsibility. And that's probably true. We're not talking about some weird over-responsibility here where we're constantly trying and reaching harder and move. No. We're talking about just taking our breath and saying with all honesty and with zeal, God, all that I am, all that I have, all that I'm about, all that is around me, my whole being, my whole life, my whole existence is yours. It's yours. Is for you. Now, friends, I have a couple of items I want you to deal with with me here, things we need to wrestle with. I want us to understand that for us to give all to Jesus, there are some very tangible kinds of things we need to do. This is practical. This isn't exhaustive, but it offers a helpful picture of how to think and then how to act. We need to ask ourselves, how willing are we how willing are we to, to give all to Jesus? What does it look like? What do we do? What does it mean for uh, my interests? What do I do with my interests? What do I do with my relationships? What does giving all mean for how I create proximity with people? What does giving all mean when I think about how I spend my money or, or how generous I choose to be with my money? What does giving all mean as I think about my time and how I, how I, how I peddle my time day in and day out? What do I do with my time? What do I do with my money? What do I do with my relationships? What do I do with my passions and interests? 
And I want you to consider this statement here. How committed am I willing to be? How committed am I willing to be? And I include that phrase, willing to be, because I want us to really wrestle with our will. What will I do? How willing am I going to be here? How committed am I willing to be to Jesus and his purposes and priorities? And what I want to invite you to do is right now in your pews there, you, you have, you, there are some notebooks, there's some pads rather, uh, paper and maybe a pencil or a pen. Or maybe on your handheld advice, I want you to right now just take a moment and answer this question. Write down and ponder what is so important to you to limit you in these regards. Well, Lord, I, I want to do for you, give all for you, but. Well, what's the but? Write it down. Wrestle with it. Or you might say, Lord, I want to do for you with my finances. I want to do for you with my relationships. Write down a dream. What would it look like? What, what will be the next action step? Take a moment. Just take a moment right now and ponder that. I'll get back to you in a second. How committed am I willing to be to Jesus and his purposes and priorities? Write down and ponder what is so important to you to limit you in these regards. So we've just spoken about what we do. Now let's talk about what we discard what we don't do, right? What, uh, what ought we not do so as to give all to Jesus? What ought we not do? What do we surrender? What are the things that we peddle that we need to discard the conspiracy theories, the internalized rage, a lack of generosity, withholding love to those around us. So again, with that paper in front of you or with your handheld device, Name the things to be set aside so you can give all to Jesus. Lord, I do spend a lot of time listening to all these weird whispers about the way the world works. And it creates fear and anger. Or Lord, you know, I am stingy. And at the root of it, I'm afraid. Or Lord, you know, I do withhold love. Because, Lord, I, I've had some bad experiences relationally, and I'm scared. Whatever it might be, write them down. Call them out. Let them go. 
Henry Varley, the world has yet to see what God can do through a person who is totally yielded to him. So many of us are spiritually hungry, zealous, and ready to move. The question is, who among us will rise up and look at what Henry has to say and say, I want my best to be all in for Jesus and I will be among those who will rise up. I want my best to be all in, so count me and I will rise up. I will reach for it. That's what I will do. Who among us will do that? 